awesome to be with you today, and many of you have asked, yes, we had another grandchild, praise God, it happened on Thursday night, so um, thank you for praying, Sarah and Greg, Greg was on our staff here, and uh, he's a chaplain with the U.S. Army in Fort Carson, Colorado, and uh, Julie is there with them, and uh, grateful for that, but it's great to be with you today, uh, Julie and I have been walking with our moms through some challenging days, and uh, we appreciate you praying for them as well. Well, we're in a series in Genesis. Genesis. We'll be in Genesis chapter 6 today, Genesis chapter 6. And this series, that part of the series we're in now, as you know, in First Baptist Church, we walk through major sections of Scripture. And today we are in a four-week kind of mini-series on the story of Noah. Now, I need to tell you in advance, if I mistakenly say Jonah, I meant Noah. For some reason, those two names are synonymous. They both involve a boat and water. So I, I, forgive me if I, if I make that error. But last week, we saw that God loves you more than he hates evil, but he really hates evil. God loves you more than he hates evil. But he really hates evil. God decided that, that because of the violence and the just horrible evil on earth that involved all kinds of things, all kinds of, of, of corruption of marriage by demons and all kinds of violence. It was so God said, I'm going to wipe out. I'm going to wipe out this creation that I love so much, the human race. I'm going to wipe them out except I hate evil so much, but I've got to save humans. And so he determines that he's going to use he's going to use Noah. Even though he knows that Noah is what? Noah's infected with the disease of sin. He knows it's going to go forward. He hates evil so much, he's going to wipe out evil, but he's going to save Noah. But that's going to bring sin in, and one day God's going to send Jesus, his son, to pay the awful price for the evil that he hates so much because he loves you more than he hates today we look at the preparation, the preparation. The title of the message today is Flood Preparation, Flood Preparation. It's interesting that this will be, we'll see in just a minute, that this is the first time that God tells his people what he is about to do. And this is a pattern throughout scripture, this prophecy. God tells his people what he is about to do. Doesn't always get super specific, but he tells them what he is about to do and for Noah, he needs to be prepared. And there's a time and a zone of preparation. You know, today, the last 20, 30 years, there's this thing called doomsday preppers has become a thing, right? Don't raise your hand, but many of you may be in that camp. And nothing wrong with that. If you need to hide food in, in your cabin out in the mountains and some ammunition and whatever it takes because of what might happen, global war, economic meltdown, worldwide famine. But sometimes people look at preppers and they think they're silly. But preppers believe that there's something coming that they need to be prepared for. And while there is some value in being physically prepared, there's a much greater value in being spiritually prepared for what God said is definitely coming. Today we look at, Mo at the Moses, see, I got the name wrong again. Hannah, if I say Moses or Jonah, I just want you to raise your hand if I just mess it up. Can you do that for me? 
don't know. I don't know. So, um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 and following. Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 and following. Word of God says this. These are the generations of Noah. And Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It's interesting, God says that, that, that Noah, I say it again, Noah was a righteous man. And what he means, not that, not that Noah is a perfect person, not that he is without sin, but that Noah is a righteous man, especially in comparison to the rest of the world that has quit calling on the name of the Lord, that has walked away from God completely. And Noah is in the line of Seth. We saw this a couple weeks ago. Seth is the son that uh, Adam and Eve had kind of to replace Abel. After Abel is killed by Cain, they have Seth. And the Sethites, Seth's sons, become those who call on the name of the Lord. And Noah is in that line. It says Noah walked with God, which kind of reminds us of Noah's ancestor Enoch, who walked with the Lord, walked with God, and he was not because God took him. Remember that? It's a really crazy thing in that long genealogy that all these people are dying. They lived so long, had a son, they died. In the midst of that is Enoch, who walked with God, and God took him. God took him. He didn't die. There's this one person that doesn't die, just like Elijah, the same thing. And so we get that kind of vibe about Noah. He walks with God. He had a special relationship with God. Now, at this point, sometimes we go, well, why? Or what made him different? Is there something that, you know, why did he, you know, the answer is we don't really know. But it kind of reminds us of Joseph, the husband of Mary, doesn't it? Joseph was a righteous man perfect man, but he's someone that called upon the name of the Lord. So that's who we have in Noah. He's someone that walks with God, that has a special relationship with God, that no doubt hears from God. And we don't know how he heard from God. We don't know if he saw God face to face, heard his voice, how it worked, but we know that God is always able to communicate. He's always able to let his people know what they need to know, where he is. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth. Behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God says, I'm going to wipe them out. And this is how I feel about it, Noah. I want you to understand how I feel about evil, that I'm going to wipe it out. I'm going to wipe these people out. And God tells his men. God tells his men. I think I quoted this last week, but Second uh, Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord search throughout the whole earth, searching for those whose heart is loyal toward him so that he may show himself strong on their behalf. God is searching, even this morning, for someone whose heart is loyal toward him, so he may show himself strong on his behalf. Verse 14. So God says to Noah, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. 
Now, how many of you know what gopher wood is? You ever hit? No, don't raise your hand. But um, always see that that word. And the truth is, no one really knows what gopher wood is. It may be a form of cypress. It's really doesn't matter a lot, but every time you read the story, gopher, that's a good one. Um, it's some kind of wood. It's probably a wood, maybe like cedar, that's resistant uh, to decay, that would last, because he's going to need this to last a long time, because it's going to take him a long time to build this thing. Make it of gopher wood. The important thing to notice is God is specific. Noah can't say, hey, God, I think I'd like to use oak. Hey, oak would be good. Hey, God, I'd like to use palm trees, you know. I, I'd like to do a castaway thing with Tom Hanks. You know, that's what I think would work. No, but God's specific, right? He says, I want you to build it out of gopher wood. Make rooms, or some versions might say nests in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch, which is that black tar-like uh, substance. And this is how you're to make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits, which is about 18 inches, or so it's 450 feet. Its breadth is about 50 cubits, or 75 feet, and its height 30 cubits, or 45 feet. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cupid above and set the door of the ark in its side and make it with lower second and third decks. Again, God told him specifically. He didn't leave the dimensions up to Noah. Noah couldn't say, hey, it really doesn't need to be that big. Uh, it's going to be fine. I don't really need to build it. God said, this is how you're to build it. And Noah built it that way. Now think of more of a floating box rather than a ship. We think of the ark as a ship, but it has no sail. It has no steering device. There's no rudder on the ark. So really, this is a box that's going to be at the mercy of the elements that are being controlled by that box. It's really cool picture. We like to build a boat so we can go where we want to go. We have control. Noah has no control. He has no control. He's just told to build the ark just as God told him to build it. Three decks, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. This is how you are to build it. Now let me just pause for a moment. How good are you at following the specifics of how God has called you to build it? God, I know you said to do it this way, but, you know, I'd like to do it this way, but sort of another way. God, I'd like to do it this way, but I really kind of want to change the rules a little bit. Imagine if, if Noah had said that. You know, I want to build it, but I really don't want to put all that black pitch on the outside because I feel like that's going to be a mess. Pitch is a good mess. God gives him a specific assignment to build a floating box a certain way. Verse 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters. Now listen, Noah's never seen a flood. He's wondering, he knows God's going to destroy. It's interesting that God chooses a flood too, isn't it? There's other ways he could do this. There's other ways he could wipe out evil. But God chooses to use a flood, and he chooses to use a man to participate with him in salvation. Don't you love that? God didn't need a man. He could have just elevated Noah to some place and had him hover above the earth while he flooded everybody. He could have done that. What does he do? He says, no, I want you to participate with me. I want you to build this box 
that's going to float because I want you to participate in how I'm going to save my family. And I want you to build a box of wood that's going to be above the water. I will bring a flood of waters the earth on the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wife with you. Aren't you glad? Wouldn't you be glad you married into that family, ladies? That might be a good question if you're dating someone. Does your dad build an ark for you? Imagine if, you know, she just broke up with a guy and then she marries one of his sons. Like, whew, God's close. You missed out. Of course, they had arranged marriage back then, which I believe in. Amen? Mike, do you, do you agree with me? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Every dad of a daughter agrees with me with, with uh, arranged marriage. Um, but it's amazing. God's about to do something never been done. And he tells Specifically, this is how you're to do it. I'm going to wipe out evil, and I'm going to use you to save my world. Verse 13. But I will establish my covenant with you. This is a promise. This is what I will do. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. You shall... Uh, they shall be male and female, of all the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, and every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten, bagels, ribs, human flesh, just, just you know, food, stored, feed, whatever. Um, every sort of food that is eaten, store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God had commanded him. It's a crazy thing. God, he said, Noah, not only are you going to save your family, I'm going to save creation through you. Remember what man's assignment was with creation. The assignment was to manage it, to propagate it, to help God's creation grow and, and be established throughout the earth. And so God is saying to Noah, I'm going to wipe out all flesh, but I'm going to save my creation, my animals. I'm going to save your assignment. I'm going to save your assignment because I'm going to save these animals. I still want to work with you. I'm going to reestablish you and the animals. Side note, there's male and female. Every animal is its kind, so there would be like one kind of cat, one kind of dog, one kind of horse, all that. So they would, it's not like they had every, every subspecies, but every type of animal. It's an incredible thing. God says, I want to reestablish my creation, and I want to continue to work with you, Noah, and with humans to, to um, bring about my purpose on earth. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and its mate, and a pair of animals that are not clean, the male and its mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heaven, also male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth. What is that? It's never rained before. 
Spirit, and what that means rain, water's going to fall from the sky. Uh, well, it's going to rain on the earth. Seven days out, what's going to rain? Verse 4. It's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. God has said, I want you to get two of every animal. Then he says, I want you to get seven of every clean animal, but this is likely the sacrificial animal. It's interesting. How did Noah know there were clean animals and none clean? Law hadn't been written. There's no Levitical law yet. Indicates and it kind of points to Noah's relationship with God that he would have pointed out to Noah these are the animals that are clean these are the ones that are not and so he told him get seven pairs of clean animals it was a big job for Noah to do it's going to rain it's going to flood the earth it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights Rain's about to come. First thing I think we need to see is that failure to prepare is failure to believe. Failure to prepare is failure to believe. Um, A bride gets ready for her wedding day because she has faith that her future husband is going to show up and marry her, right? She doesn't get ready for the wedding to earn her husband, that's already has been decided. She gets ready because she believes the marriage is going to take place. We get ready for hurricanes because we believe a hurricane's going to come. No one buys hurricane windows and generators and puts shutters up and gets those supplies in and all that wonderful fun thing that we do. If there's no storm that's ever going to come, we do that because we believe that there's a storm that's going to come. No student prepares for a test that they're not going to take. Failure to prepare for what is coming is failure to believe. Some people just go through life. They're like, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I've always done. You know, I think that maybe maybe you feel like this. You know, what? I made a decision to follow Jesus. I, I got saved a long time ago and I'm done. like a bride saying we're engaged but I'm not even preparing for that I'm just going about my life it's like someone said I know the hurricane's coming but I'm not I'm going to stay living in my tent right failure to prepare is failure to believe that's what preparation is if I believe that one day I'm going to If I believe that the only thing that would prevent me from dying is that God says, hey, it's over. And he sends Jesus back in the world. And that's the only way you're going to escape death. And listen, that is just about, that's the same as dying because you're going to have to face Jesus at that point. What's your preparation look like? If there's no preparation, there's no living in light of the fact that death is certain and we're to face Jesus at some point, then you don't really believe that you're going to face Jesus. Failure to prepare is failure to believe. Second, 
flood preparations must be specifically designed for what is actually going to happen. Noah didn't go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to prepare for a fire. Or I'm going to prepare for fire and brimstone. I'm going to get a lot of fire retardant stuff around here, right? I'm going to get what they make the space shuttle out. I'm going to get something like that. I'm going to prepare for what I want to prepare for. See, preparation is everything about what you believe and who you believe. If I believe Jesus Christ, who came in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Preparation is getting ready for what's coming. Noah had never seen a flood. He didn't know what it would be like. He just trusted God and prepared exactly the way that God told him to prepare. You say, well, what is, how are we supposed to prepare? You're supposed to prepare by trusting in Jesus Christ. You're supposed to prepare by repenting of sin and receiving his spirit into your life and then living a life just like Noah that builds something that is preparing for what's coming. And that's helping others get ready for what's coming as well. See, that's what we're building here at FCCYA. That's what the church is all about. Helping people live lives that prepare for what's coming. Third, flood preparation takes a long time. It just takes a long time. You say, well, Steve, I thought salvation was instantaneous. If I ask Jesus in my heart right now, I'll receive him. Amen. You will. Absolutely. But the life of preparation for what's coming is a lifetime job. Noah spent over a hundred years. A hundred years. He didn't just go out there and purchase a bunch of parts from Amazon and they all came and he assembled them in a few days, you know. He didn't do that. He didn't go out to the boatyard and find a ship and purchase it. He didn't go find an old cruise ship and say, hey, think you could hold a bunch of animals. He built a boat. Many of you have been on that journey, maybe not 100 years, but you've been building for a long time. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness. It takes a long time. You know, it takes a doctor 13 years or more to prepare for a career that might last 30 years. Most of the most important, all the important things you do in life takes a lot of preparation. It's a life of preparation. Really, our lives are all about always funny to me when, um, well, not funny, but kind of disappointing to me when I meet a couple and they say, we want to get married. And I'm like, well, I think you should do some relationship counseling, get some, do some marriage prep. Oh, we already know all that. Don't worry about it. Just come see me in five years. We'll talk about that. Um, What matters is simply preparing. And the longer we prepare indicates how much we care. It's worth it to prepare a long time. Folks, in preparation. Flood preparation preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being Noah? Every day you're out there building this boat, okay? This big box. And every day the rest of the world is not building a box. 
They're having the time. They're violent. They're corrupt. They're living life for themselves. They're laughing at you. But every day you're building something that is telling them, guess what? You're condemned. I love 2 Peter 2, 5 says this. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the earth of the ungodly. So what he's saying, Noah was a herald. Every day that he went to work and he worked on the ark, he was preaching a sermon. Hebrews 11.7 says this, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which comes by faith. Noah's building project was just screaming, everyone around you is going to suffer, is going to die. I'm building this because all of you are going to die. That's what his life was all about. When you live a life of preparation, you're living a life that preaches to the world, proclaims to the world, that demonstrates to the world, this world is not my home. I'm not going to put everything I have into this world. I'm going to put everything I have in preparing, into preparing for the next world and to helping as many people as I can prepare for the next that's what a life of preparation does. And fifth, flood preparation is absolutely worth it. It's worth it. You may be saying, I don't know if I can live a life following Jesus. It's absolutely worth it. How much joy did Noah have when he was able to load up his, bo- his boys on the ark? How did Noah feel? When it started to rain. And how did he feel every day knowing that he was walking with God in preparation for what God was about to do? How did he feel every day that he knew he was preserving God's creation and a future for God's creation? A future role for he and his family. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. It's the most meaningful life you could possibly live today. I would say it's the only meaningful life you can live. Failure to prepare is failure to prepare. What about you? Preparation must be specific. Must be specifically designed for what is actually going to happen. You can prepare for all sorts of things, but are you preparing for what God has said is going to happen? Death is certain. The end of the world is certain. Are you preparing? Preparation takes a long time. It does. It takes a long time. Preparation preaches the gospel of God. And preparation is absolutely worth it. A flood is coming. You need to be prepared. Let me ask you, is it starting to rain in your life? Every time you hear of a friend, a family member dying, it should be a sign that it's starting to rain. It's starting to rain. Am I prepared? Am I ready? Every time you get bad news or you get a bad diagnosis, it's telling you it's starting to rain. Every time you look at world events and you go, this world is getting crazier and crazier, it's starting to rain. 
Are you living a life of faith? Are you living a life of faith? What do you really believe? And would you repent? Jesus Christ is better than your life. He is the only way to survive what God To believe in him is to trust him. To trust him that an ark needs to be built. To trust him to get in the ark. To trust him to put your life into action. That's what believing means. It's not believing facts. It's believing in doing. God, I trust you with my life. I'm not going to try to earn it anymore. I'm going to trust you with my salvation, with my love to help you pray that prayer. We'd love to help you to put your belief into action. Because failure to prepare is failure to believe. This morning, get ready. Because the setup is about to get real. Heavenly Father, it's amazing that you told Noah what you were about to do. amazing that you've told us what you're about to do. God, you give us the opportunity to get ready. And the preparation isn't about scurrying around and trying to get better. It's about trusting you and following your specific instructions about how to live and how to prepare that you've written in your word. God, we confess that sometimes we want to change your word to be our word. We want to adjust gopher wood to some other wood. We want to adjust size and shape. But you've called us to live specifically the way your word says we should live. God, some of us need to be repentant about how we're doing things. And some of us need to begin to believe for the first time. Trust you with our entire life. In a life of preparation. May we simply say to you, Lord, we repent of our sins. And we want to live as you called us to live. To live a life of preparation that saves not only us, but those around us. Oh, we praise you, Jesus, for this opportunity. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?
powerful when God's people gather to pray. The question now is what will you do with what God has said? What happens now? Are you going to continue to build your own boat? I want to urge you, build the boat that God has called you to. Get in on what he is doing because it's starting to rain. I'll be right here after the service if you have questions you want help. I'd love to chat with you. Let's pray. Father, we praise you so much for your love for us. I praise you for these people. And I praise you that your spirit directly speaks to each heart. God, we just want to interpret what you're already doing. And we're thrilled with what you're doing. We so want to be walking together as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, walking with you, living lives of preparation. Because there's coming a day when all that preparation is all going to fade. And we sit with you in glory. Thank you for saving us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.